you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Let's go. Another edition of the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weich with you. We have a ton of guests, Steve, because it's a Thursday, right? Alex Highsmith, the pass rusher for the Steelers, will join us for an entire segment. We'll also have Bobby Slowick. You don't know the name, you should. It's the Texans offensive coordinator, and he's running one of the most interesting offenses in all of football. We'll also have Baldy's breakdowns. It's Baldy's Favorite films, it's every Thursday, as well as the coach Leslie Frazier talking about some rookie quarterbacks as well on the show. I'm not going to mess around, though, Steve, because this show's loaded. And let's jump right into what we got going starting off. What do we have? Yeah, you know, JP, each Thursday, you like to break out popcorn for Baldy's favorite films. I do. You may, you may want to, like, get the popcorn ready now, because whereas the rest okay. of the sports media world is talking about their midseason awards we're going to have some, some, but we're going to use ours. Who used the first half of the season to set the stage to win the awards? We're going to be talking about people who are off the grid right now who could end up winning the awards. This is going to be hot stuff, everybody. Love it. So we're going to call this Love the it. unusual suspects. JP, here we go. Out of the gate. All right. Which team that we don't suspect is going to make a playoff push? I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. I know it sounds crazy starting one and five, and you look at the schedule that they have, but I look at what they've done each of the last three weeks, turned a corner defensively since week five. They probably have the best red zone defense in all of football, and we saw the formula that Sean Payton wants to use in their last game right here against the Kansas City Chiefs. They were able to run the football effectively, put Russell Wilson in situations to succeed in the red zone, throwing three touchdown passes on just 19 passes, getting after the quarterback, forcing turnovers. I do think something could be brewing here with the Denver Broncos. All right, I like it. You know, I actually was going to go with the Denver Broncos. I looked at their schedule, didn't love it. But a team I think actually has a chance is the Houston Texans. No, I'm not getting caught up in the moment of C.J. Stroud coming off of that great performance, that rookie-setting performance right there. But they're 4-4 right now. They're on to Cincinnati in Week 10. But then they face Arizona, Jacksonville, Denver, the Giants, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. My target number of wins for a team to get into the wild card is 10. They can get to 10 with that schedule, they go 6-3 and three the rest of the way. Very doable. All right, JP, next topic. Again, these are the people who set the stage to win awards at the end of the season. A player not mentioned in the MVP conversation right now who will be by the end of the season. I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. The Dallas Cowboys starter oh, is playing what? like the best quarterback in football over the last on, several man. weeks. Let's just on, say man. this. That this game not a hot take show, against the best team in football. I'm not. This is not a hot take. That was the best team in football, the Philadelphia Eagles, with the MVP runner-up and Jalen Hurts also on the field. And he was the best player on the field last Sunday night at Lincoln Financial Field. What he's been able to do is add that element that we've seen in the past but haven't seen recently, his ability to scramble, make plays with his legs to go on top of Steve. He's only thrown five picks. He missed a bunch of time last year, and I believe he led the NFL in interceptions, yep. and he's completing over 70% of his passes. C.D. Lamb has been out of this world. They're finding a young tight end like you see him right there in Ferguson. What he has to do is obviously win some of these big games late, and you can turn a corner if he does that, and he keeps playing like this with the defense he has. I think Dak Prescott is going to be in the conversation. Okay, all right, I, I'll give that to you. But like you said, he's got to win games late. Here's somebody who I think Definitely. that no one's talking about who can get there, and that's Lions quarterback Jared Goff. I mean, right now he already has 12 touchdowns, five interceptions, same as our guy Brock Purdy. I love that. Where he's got 2,174 yards. That's ahead of Lamar, Joey B, Justin Herbert, Dak, Trevor Lawrence. So if the Lions win the NFC North, as we expect, Goff will continue to put up these numbers I think he's going like to this. get a little MVP buzz. 
All right, James, next topic. Again, the players who set the stage, who could be here at the end of the season, a player not being talked about now, who might be the offensive player of the year. Travis Kelsey. 1972, Steve, the Associate Press started the Offensive Player of the Year Award. You know how many tight ends have won the award? Uh, Let me do the quick math here real quick. Zero. Zero have won the award at the tight end position. And you look at what he has done over the last several years. The highest he ever finished was getting 8% of the vote. And that was last year. And we know how talented he is. I remember talking to Patrick Mahomes earlier this season. He just told me the way he understands coverage, the way he understands the game, he's the one getting himself open. That's why he's so special. The wide receiver group has not performed. They've underperformed. And still, everyone on the planet knows he's getting the football. Everyone is around him right there with the football. And he still finds a way to make plays. If they're the number one seed at the end of the season, maybe Travis Kelsey should be in that conversation for Offensive Player of the Year. Well, we also know if the voters were also the same people who subscribed to People Magazine, he'd be the runaway offensive player of the year. True. Although his brother's up for sexiest man of the year. Well, you know, he's probably right. But look, look, here's here's something. (laughs) Using some of the same same mechanisms you just used right there, being the only target everyone knows where he's getting the ball. What about Stephon Diggs of the Buffalo Bills? I mean, he is absolutely lighting it up. And every game I'm watching Buffalo, it's like Josh Allen's being asked to do miracles. And Stephon Diggs is on the other mm-hmm. end of that pot of gold rainbow to get him to miracle land. All right, JP, let's do it for the defensive player of the year, somebody who's not being mentioned now who could emerge as a DPOY. This is big side out of the box, and I'm going to say Bradley Chubb of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. He leads the NFL in force fumbles. He's got five sacks in the last four games, and if you talk to people down in Miami, they said he put a lot of pressure on himself since he got that big contract. That's kind of been alleviated lately. Knows Vic Fangio's system. Knows really everything they want to do defensively. They're healthy on defense now, Steve. Who do you got? Well, I'm going to say Jags edge rusher Josh Allen. Yeah, the guy who we were Ooh. waiting to play to show up. Oh, he's shown up. He has got nine sacks this season. He has been absolutely disruptive. And people can say, yeah, it's a contract year. Hey, whatever motivates a player to play, let it motivate it and work. He is getting it done. He's got four rookie quarterbacks on the menu before the end of the season coming up, JP. All right, the rookie who might emerge as the offensive player of the year. I'm going to go with the Rookie Offensive Player of the Year is Zay Flowers with the Baltimore Ravens. Had a chance to talk to him earlier in the season. He has already learned almost every wide receiver position. They move him around. He leads this team in targets, leads him in receptions. He's never going to have a bunch of touchdowns by the way they're built with the run game and Mark Andrews down there, but leads them in explosive plays. I think Zay Flowers, as his offense continues to grow and continues to learn what Todd Munkins wants to do, Zay Flowers is going to be the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I love that. I think line side end uh, Sam Laporta, who is just absolutely getting Ooh, it done right now. He's got like 43 that. catches already. He's in the top 20 when it comes to receptions in the NFL, and he seems to be more of a go-to guy for our guy, our future MVP, Definitely. Jared Goff, as people are trying to take away the explosive well, plays. your future MVP. All right, our, our rookie, our rookie, potential rookie defensive player of the year. Who do you got? There was a lot of buzz early on, and, and it, I feel like it died. Jalen Carter, I think, is going to be that wide. And maybe because everybody gets obsessed with numbers, and he's not going to put up a boatload of them. I think he has four sacks. But if you go and watch the attention he is drawing, he's in a rotation as well. So he's not on there snapping and snapping, although he played a bunch of snaps against the Cowboys. Jalen Carter is going to be, to me, the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean, four sacks for an interior player, JP, is really good, especially yeah. because he's getting so much attention. I'm going to go to the L.A. Chargers. And it's a guy we've talked about a lot on this show, and that's this is your player, guy. Tuli Tuiapolotu. We saw against the Jets the way he's being used, sometimes reduced to tackle as, an, as, as a rusher, sometimes on the edge. He continues mm-hmm. to wreak havoc. All right, our last one, the coach nobody is thinking of or mentioning – who's going to end up in the COY conversation. It's got to be Shane Steichen to me with the Indianapolis Colts. Everything he's dealt with early in the season with Jonathan Taylor holding out and everything that went on with that contract, he loses Anthony Richardson. And right now, Steve, this team is seventh in scoring. 
This is the biggest jump of any team from last year to this year in terms of scoring. I believe they were, what, like towards the end of the league and almost everything offensively. And he has this team playing competitive football week in and week out on both sides of the ball. I looked at their schedule. They got this game against the Patriots. Then they have a bye. You look at the rest of the way out, probably maybe lose that game against Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. That still puts them at 10-7 and seven after being 4-12-1 a season ago. Shane Steichen's coaching his butt off. If they get to 10-7, and seven, you better believe he's going to get some coach of the year conversation. Here's a guy no one mm-hmm. ever talks about. Dude's doing a good job. I, I think Kevin Stefanski with the Cleveland Browns. You oh, look at their Steve. injuries, right? Nick Chubb is out. Their quarterback situation has not been ideal, and I am putting that mildly, yet here they are, <laughs> one of the best teams in the NFL. Plus, he gets a check-the-box credit for hiring Jim Schwartz as his defensive coordinator to make them That's the my best guy. unit in the NFL. That's your guy. JP, I loved it. That was our usual suspects, everybody. We're talking about people who are kind of off the grid now, but set the table to win awards at the end of the season. Unusual coming suspects. Up, I love it. Coming up, here is it. a usual suspect because he is a baller. Steelers edge rusher Alex Highsmith. Not only is he going to talk about the great defense, but he's also going to tell us his favorite Tomlinism. We come back on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, this is Justin Simmons with the Denver Broncos, and this is the NFL Report. All right, we have another great interview lined up. One of the best players in the NFL, James, and he's also a brother in Freckles. And that's Steelers linebacker, Alex Heisman. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today here on the NFL Report. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, before we talk some football, man, we, we got to talk a little bit about your head coach because, you know, you, you're around him all the time, and, he, and he's dropping these, these verbal pearls uh, just all the time. I, I mean, today somebody asked him, you know, about, <laughs> about what's going on with George Pickens and, and this and that. He said, that's just a pebble in my shoe. So tell us about Mike Tomlin, like some of the great sayings he comes up with, and do they ever get tired? Uh, I mean, he's got he's – got, so many sayings, you know, we, we all love coach T and, um, you know, that's, you know, one of the reasons we love him. We love him. You know, he keeps it real with us and he's such a player's coach. You know, he, he's always walking around talking to us, to us throughout the day. And he wants the best out of all of us. Uh, I'd probably say my favorite Tomlinism quote from him is uh pressure is ever present. You're either feeling it or applying it. And, um, I mean, I choose, he says, I choose Ooh. to apply it. And so, I mean, it's true. You, you're either always, you know, feeling that pressure or you're applying it. And so, um, that's I'd probably say that's my favorite Tomlinism out of all of them. He's got a lot, but I'd say that's my favorite. That's strong. It is. Oh, I love that. I'm, I'm going to write that one down real quick. Hold on. <laughs> yes. That one, that one down. Keep that one, keep that one for the, for, for myself. Uh, and kind of with that said, Alex, I was at your guys game. You, you lose to Jacksonville and then you bounce back. And obviously, you know, you got to stop a physical running back in Derrick Henry the next week. What did that performance, I know it's a rookie quarterback you're going against in his second NFL start, but you know that's a physical offense you were going against. What did that kind of performance you guys did defensively kind of help you kind of get back to your ways in a sense maybe? Yeah, it was big for us. You know, um, I feel like we played well. We were far from perfect, and there's you know plenty of areas that we can be better at. Um, but I think coming into that game, you know, the goal was to stop Derek Henry and get after him, and then get after Will Levis. And so I think we, you know, stuck to our game plan. You know, we were able to stop him in in, in, in some ways. And then, you know, I think Will Levis, Will Levis is going to be a great quarterback in this league. And so he had a great, um, you know, first first game against the Falcons. He came out was throwing it well against us as well. And so um, I think he's going to be a great quarterback in this league in the future. But I think you know we just had to get after him. We had to apply pressure all night. You know, knew that they were coming into our environment uh, Thursday night football at Akron sure so we knew we had to you know get after him and apply um but you know i think we just took a step but you know we we analyzed the film there's still plenty of ways it can get better and i'm looking forward to seeing how we get better this this sunday yeah this sunday you play the green bay packers you know one of the classic franchises just like yourselves in the nfl and if we can call this up you guys are wearing your throwback uniforms right here also great picture you rocking the 56 but well, Alex, for, for a lot of people yeah. i mean and they're not going to be able to tell much of the discrepancy there what is the actual throwback look here 
Yeah, it's just the block numbers. So that's what it, when it says back in block, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the numbers. So the numbers are a little bit bigger, a little bit more defined than our normal black and you know black jerseys. So uh, that's really the main difference. So we wore them last year. We won on Christmas Eve. So um, got to get another win in them this Sunday. But I think they also painted the the end zones yellow for the those the, the that those games Ooh. during last year. So I wonder if they're going to do the same for this year. But you know, I'm excited to wear those and, and rock those this Sunday. Great. That'll be nice. That'll Alex, be nice. I, real quick, I, I want to get to, you know, talking about this, the narrative going around the NFL this year. Look, scoring is down. Scoring is down to 21.7 points a game. That's the lowest since 2009. Everyone's talking about offenses or this, and they're, they're struggling doing that. But isn't the narrative actually the defenses have caught up and the defenses are playing a little bit better football than they have the past couple of years? Yeah, I mean, I think the points, point, like you said, the point average just shows that I think, you know, defenses are playing well this year. And so, you know, I think for us, you know, defensively, you know, we we haven't been as good as we want to in that area, keeping points off the board, but we know we just got to continue to get better in that area. But I think, you know, from those stats, it shows that, you know, defenses, you know, we're starting to get better and better um, in this league. And a big part of your guys' defense, and I remember talking to you the other, you know, maybe a week ago about this, Alex, was kind of splash plays that you guys are able to make. You know, TJ's made a lot of them. You've made a lot of them over the last couple of years. What is it about those type of plays that, that allow maybe the both of you and some other guys on, on your defense to make to make those type of plays? Can you ever sense when one of those might be coming? Yeah, I mean, we we always say you got to have it, you got to have the ball, and I think that's something we pride ourselves on as a defense is getting turnovers and getting and taking the ball away. And I think we've done a good job of that this year so far. You know, whether it's you know forced fumbles, strip sacks, or interceptions, I think we've done a good job. You know, of, of that so far, we just got to continue to get better in that area. And so it's you know it's it's awesome being around a group of guys uh, that you know are are willing to you know practice and, and work on getting the ball. You know, because we practice those things and, and practice. You know, we practice. You know punching the ball out. We practice, you know, interceptions and getting those things. And so I think it's just so important, you know, to practice those good habits and then they translate to the game. And so they've done that. It's, it's done that for us this year so far. And so uh, we look forward to just getting even more throughout this year. But Alex, you led the NFL in strip sacks last year and, and forced fumbles. What is your secret? Because yeah. you've already got a couple this year too. You're on your way to surpassing your total of five from last year. What is it about the way you rush the passer that allows you to do that? Yeah, I just think it's always searching for the ball. You know, I always want to get the ball out. And I know there's so many different rules now on hitting quarterbacks and um, a lot of rough and passer calls have been called um, this year and stuff. And so I think there's just an emphasis on, you know, getting the ball, you know, searching for the ball, not necessarily just tackling the quarterback, but getting the ball out. And so that's something that, like I said, we work on in practice a lot. We work on coming around the edge and then reaching for the ball and stripping it. And so that's something that's I've worked on a lot because I know that, you know, sacks are great. You know, they end drives, but uh, strip sacks are even better, you know, because they can, you know, set up, set up, a, you know, our offense in great field position and you know, just get turnovers as well. And so um, that's what we pride ourselves on, you know, is really getting the ball out. I don't think it's any secret, Alex. Those have helped out your offense, which through the first three quarters of, of games have been struggling to kind of get their thing going. And then in the fourth quarter, bam, we see it's Kenny Pickett and, and company, and they start moving the football. What have those first three quarters been like as a defensive unit, though? Maybe you know they're going to get it going by the fourth, but you got to make sure maybe you got to keep things close. I'm not sure. Like, what, what does it feel like through the first three as a defense? Yeah, I just think for us is the whole game. The mindset is just to control what we can control, um, you know, just going out there and, you know, getting off the field. And that's something that's an area that we have to be better at. That's an area we haven't been good at enough is getting off the field quickly. And they, a lot of teams have had long drives on us. And there's been some long drives where we've got turnovers towards the end of the drive. So I think we just got to be uh, better at just getting off the field with three and outs and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's about just controlling what we can control. And that's going out there and getting stops every single drive. Well, Alex, you know, what's interesting now, too, is we're at the midway point of the season, and every team in the AFC North would be in the playoffs right now. I mean, no surprise. You know how, how tough this division is. But, you know, understanding the way that you guys play each other again, all these teams again, do you think that the season could end with all four of you teams in the playoffs? I mean, absolutely. You know, this division's a juggernaut. It's a heavyweight battle. And so, you know, all, all four teams in our division are, are really good teams. And so, um, you know, coming down towards the end of the season, I know it's going to be a tight race. And so every game from here on out matters, you know, especially those division games. I know we got the Packers this week and then we got two straight road division games. So those are going to be big games for us. But, you know, that's one thing I love about playing in the AC North is just the competition. And, you know, you um, over the past couple of years, you know, like developing these rivalries with these teams is just awesome. And so it's definitely going to be, you know, 
all those all those matchups are going to be high intensity and they're going to mean a lot, you know, especially towards the end of the year. I have to say this. I mean, no slight to any other team or anybody else playing in another division, Alex. But but what is it truly like playing in this division? I mean, it, uh, to me, right, Steve, it, it has to be more physical than any other division in, in football. Is it more draining, you think, than what other guys are going through in other divisions? I, I think just like you said, it's the most the most physical division uh, in the league. You know, ASU North, I feel like it always has been. You know, when you look back, you know, and at the old Steelers and Ravens rivalries and uh, just how, you know, they how physical those games were, you know, when the Ravens had Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and, you know, we had uh, James Harrison, Troy Palomalu and the rest of the crew. I think, you know, you mm-hmm. look at those games and those games, those, those are physical games and they stay like that now because, you know, I feel like every team in this division can run the ball well. And so um, I think it just starts up front and just being physical. And but like you said, every single matchup uh, in, in the AFC North is physical. That's for sure. And one thing, too, I want to talk, since we're talking about these throwback jerseys, what you and T.J. Watt have going on, too, is kind of a throwback to, like, the Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green era of the Steelers. Just two great pass rushers. How do you play off of each other? Is it all just schematic, or do you guys have a certain feel, especially in certain situations, to know how one guy is going to respond off the other? Yeah, I think we just work. We work well together. You know, we make each other better. And um, I feel like ever since I've gotten the league, he's made me a lot better as a player. I remember coming in as a rookie, um, you know, having him and Bud Dupree, you know, as guys to look up to. And and now having him, you know, playing with him for my fourth year now, you know, he's the best in the world at what he does. So uh, he makes me a lot better. You know, there's a lot of times where he gets a, a lot of attention and it leaves me, you know, having some one-on-one battles that allow me to take advantage of those. And so um, I just, you know, love working with them. And I think, you know, we should, we're just going to c- continue to get better uh, throughout the year. Last one I have for you, Alex, is obviously everything you guys have done up front. You get Cam back, which is great, in the middle of that defensive line. And, and I look at what life is like as a member of the Steelers secondary. And I want to ask you about two of them back there, a young one and an older one. In terms of what have you learned about Patrick Peterson and Joey Porter Jr., and who's now in a starting role, and both of those guys in your secondary now because they're kind of new to you. Yeah, both of those guys have um, you know been awesome for us. Great additions for us. Uh, you know, Pat P coming in. I think it was so awesome to for Joey to have him to learn from. You know, whenever he came in, came in as a rookie, mm-hmm. and um, just having a veteran guy like Pat P just to be able to learn from is huge for him. And so, just having those guys is huge. You know, Pat P has you know, he's a great leader in our locker room, and you know, Joey's starting to step up now into the starting role, and he's been playing well. Uh, he's only going to continue to get better. So we're just thankful to have both of those guys, and so um, just looking forward to seeing how both of them continue to get better throughout the year. Alex Heises, man. Appreciate you taking some time. Love watching you play. Good luck the rest of the way. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Awesome. But we're not done. Not many people know the name Bobby Slowick, but they should and they will. The Texans offensive coordinator has their rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud, playing unlike any rookie we've seen of late. And his players, they're calling him a genius. Well, we're going to talk to the genius coming up next on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Ball at the 14-yard line of the Bucks. Stroud takes the gift, throws to Nico on the slant. Nico into the end zone. Touchdown, Houston. C.J. Stroud to Nico Collins, and the Texans take the lead on Tampa Bay. And he throws downfield over the middle, and he's got a man brown. Left side, 50, 40, left sideline, full throttle, 20, 15, 10, 5, fighting for the goal line, and he's got it! Touchdown, Houston! Rock and roll! CJ in the gun, gets the snap, pumps, now fires deep down the right side, and tag down, touchdown! CJ Stroud with some lightning on this drive. Stroud, quick throw, right side, caught, touchdown! On fourth and goal, they convert! What a rocket from CJ Stroud to the tight end! CJ looking, throwing to the end zone, drops touchdown! Yes! 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 My 
goodness! 470 yards, five touchdowns. That is the defining moment of the welcome to Houston, C.J. Stroud. That is the moment right there. All right, that was the voice of the Houston Texans, my good buddy Mark Vandermeer on the call. What a thriller it is, Steve, because we have the Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick with us after just an unbelievable performance from your offense and your quarterback. I want you to pull back the curtain here, Coach. That final drive, 40 seconds, you guys go 75 yards. What is said between you and CJ before he takes the field, and what's said on the headset throughout a drive like that between the two of you? Yeah, not not much on the headset aside from the play call. You know, you, there wasn't a lot of time to, okay. to be given a lot of little info, little nuggets, anything like that. Um, most of it was said kind of before we went out there. Um, you know, the intent, what we were trying to get done, we we had two timeouts limited on what we could uh, do beyond that. So really our, our goal, first of all, was to get to the 50. You know, like get to the 50 as fast as we can, Let's ensure we have a shot at the end zone at the end of the game because we knew we needed a touchdown. Um, and then beyond mm-hmm. that, once we were out of timeouts, you know, at, at some point he was well aware that he had to make a form of a special play, you know, whether it was him or receiver, somebody had to, had to get a, ju- a chunk, um, which th- I mean, they weren't going to just give us. And he, he did a great job. He yeah. went out, he operated really fast, efficiently. That was the biggest thing. The ball was getting out of his hands fast. We were eating up yards pretty quick, especially within the first three plays. And then after that, uh, I think there was about 16 seconds left and him and tank made a, made a special play on the connection on the sideline that, um, really was just, it, it was an unbelievable throw, unbelievable route. Uh, just like a downfield yeah. handoff. And that really was was the play that that kind of made the whole thing go. Yeah, those last two throws were just unbelievable stick throws right on where, where they had to be, but I mean, the defender couldn't get to them. But, I mean, those were just part of the 470 yards he had. He had an incredible day, but throughout the week, remember, he did not have a great game the previous week, you know, at Carolina. What about his ability and his composure to leave that behind him and to come out and just put the offense you know, in motion like he did for the entire game all the way up until the final whistle. Yeah, no, it's impressive. I mean, he's a really, he's a, he's a fun guy to coach. Uh, he, he's always engaged. He's very willing to take all, you know, all the coaching points we have and, and go put them into action. And sometimes that's not just football, you know, sometimes that's life. Sometimes that's how to move on from uh, poor performances as, as an offense, as a team, as a player. Uh, and, and really, I think that's spread through our whole team right now. Like we have a, we very much have a next week mentality. Um, you know, we, th- we think about the next opponent, we put the game to bed on Monday, we move on, we make sure the upcoming Sunday, we're going to put out the best performance we can put out. And I mean, the, the really it was awesome to watch what he did this Sunday, because a lot of the things that we all know he had been really straining to work on and, we had seen him practice, hadn't always shown up in, in games uh, for the world to see. And that was the first game, I think, I think down in, down out every quarter. Like he was, he was clicking. I mean, a lot of the stuff we had been seeing for yeah. a while finally, finally showed in a lot of different ways. But a lot of what happens with you guys as an offense coach is, is, is the trust factor that we keep hearing in Houston about between you and your quarterback, and the rest of that offense. I was going back looking at something CJ said after your guys' game against the Falcons, where apparently there was a conversation between the two of you on the sideline, changing, I believe, a route for Dalton Schultz, and you told him on the sideline, if you're feeling it, you go out there and make a play. That's a first-year <laughs> first year play caller and a rookie quarterback. How do you develop that trust in a guy in his fifth NFL start to say, go out there and make a play if you're feeling it. Yeah, a lot of it's through, you know, again, a reference back to practice, to training camp, you know, to to just the time we've we've spent together and done similar things already. Um, that when we have conversations on the sideline, when we have conversations during the week, like we we get on the same page uh, very quickly, a lot. And I think that makes easy sideline conversations. We can adjust fast within games cool. and then the Atlanta game in particular, you know, we had, we had run a concept a couple of times and we had a, a double move a different way in the game. And he's, you know, through the course of our conversation, it was, Hey, why don't we run the double move out of this? And I was like, Hey, if you feel like you're confident throwing it to Dalton, I'm all for it. Yeah. So we went and talked to Dalton about it. And then, uh, 
and made a heck of a play. I, I love that. You talk about trust. That's you know, awesome. we're talking so much about you and TJ, that relationship, but your whole offense trusts you. And, and I want you to listen to this. We had Laramie Tunsil, your left tackle, on the show last week. I want you to listen to this, to what he has to say about you and what you've, you've done for this team thus far. He's another guy that's behind the scenes, but he's a mastermind. He'd be, he be dialing it up. He really does. He's, in, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. he really does. Like, he'd be dialing it up. In my, in my opinion, I think he's one of the top OCs in the NFL. I mean, how about that? that that's Laramie Tonto. That's one of the best offensive players Ooh. in the NFL. He's been in this league for a while. And for them to have that buy-in, Bobby, I mean, what does that mean to you? I mean, it means a lot, you know, and that's not – I probably didn't have much of a reaction right there, but it's it's not like uh, – we have very real meetings, you know, uh, when we get together as an offense. We're very truthful, and that and that's both ways. You know, that's I – I make sure I tell guys when they do really, really well, and I make sure I tell – guys when you know we have something we need to fix and and they do the same to me you know it's it's a two-way street for sure uh and and that just it, it creates a lot of the trust we had already talked about creates a lot of of close relationships you know everyone knows we're committed to each other um and i think that's really how you wind up building a a team and a culture that that wants to win not just to win we want to win for each other we want to win for the people in the building we want to win for the fellow coaches um, we want to win for D'Amico. I want to win for LT, you know, so, and, and it really all just plays a part in that, you know, we just, we really believe in each other and we know when we go out and we play the way we believe we can play week in and week out, we always have a shot. Bob, we're looking at all the yards CJ was able to throw for last week and what your skill guys have been able to do, what your quarterback's been able to do. But I look at, you've only turned the football over five times as an yeah. offense. I mean, that's, that's number one in the NFL. And I know you love scheming up, obviously, everything these guys are doing out in space, but scheming up the offensive line. I know that's something you like to do in terms of protecting your quarterback and how important that is. What do you love about designing these things up front for your offense? Yeah, I don't I love to, that's a that's a great, interesting word choice right there. That's this that's stressful is a, is yeah. another good one. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean like it, it's 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 just part of it. It's part of the offense, right? Like when, if you really want to go back and you want to throw the ball to to receivers that we really believe in, tight ends we believe in, backs we believe in, and and let our quarterback operate and grow within the league and the NFL, you know, you got to give them time and you have to give them a pocket to be mm -hmm. able to operate in because muddy pockets make things uh, pretty gray pretty quick. So we, you know, we devote a lot of time to that, and and thankfully we have uh, guys up front that have really blocked their tails off, uh, I would say, all year. I would say even mm -hmm. week one, uh, when we probably had what I would consider our worst protection performance, I don't even – it wasn't really physical. It was more mental on a lot of things. And um, they've taken that to heart. Like, we all we all want to see CJ go out and, and spin the ball when the way we know he can spin it. And to do that, we know he needs time. And we need to give our receivers time to be able to work their routes because we have a lot of trust – that if they have time, we're probably going to be getting some yards and, and we're yeah. going to have an efficient day. And again, like I go back to, I mean, it, it's, we definitely have done some things in protection wise uh, so far this year, you know, especially when we were going through week four, five, and six uh, that we had to devote a, a lot of time to, but more than anything, yeah. like the players and how much they've bought in and they've just believed in what we're doing and how we're going to do it. Cause a, a lot of it's not generic stuff. You know, it was it was stuff that we kind of yeah stand in game plan specific situations and they were all about it. And that's the only way it works. Bobby, that really dovetails into this. I mean, you, your father's former NFL defensive coordinator. He's, he's, he's coached up in, in the CFL. Your brother's a defensive coach uh, for the Dolphins. You came into this as a defensive coach. What is your knowledge of not only schemes and concepts, but what teams are trying to do in situational football on that side of the ball help you scheme up protections, help you scheme up certain run plays and knowing when you can dial up certain pass patterns or runs. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely beneficial. That's from uh, Mike Shanahan. Actually, when I first got in the NFL, I worked in Washington and he was the head coach. Uh, he's And he's the one that got me into it. And, um, you know, he told me, he knew I wanted to be an offensive coach. I had always been an offensive player. Um, and he said, you want to be a really good offensive coach. What you need to do is you need to learn defense. Wow. And that's how you need to start your career. So he put me on defense as a defensive quality control 
um, with my dad, who was a defensive coach, which was probably some of the, despite the record, like the, it was probably some of the best years I've had in life as far as coaching. That's a special thing, being able to work with your father. But, um, you know, like aside from that, like just being able to see how they're structured, how they think um, really speeds up your process as an offensive coach uh, to know what you're trying to get to, what you're trying to attack. And in particular, you know, what you have to protect against. Because uh, that's usually just as much as we always want to attack as offensive coaches, we also have to make sure we avoid disasters, you know. Um, and that that's a large part mm-hmm. of, of, you know, making sure you're protecting each and every play. And it speeds that process up. But even then, you know, it's been it's been, I want to say, five years now since I've been on defense. And I mean, it evolves like it changed. It changes all, all the time, every year, every game. Um, even now, like there's a it, there was a point where I would look at other defensive structures and I felt really confident. I knew exactly what was going on all the time. And and that's not always the case anymore. And I think it's the mm-hmm. same when you get offense back and forth. It's just an endlessly evolving process. Um, but knowing generally how it works and how guys want to play and where they want to be, without a doubt, expedites everything. And, and involving offenses is obviously something we're seeing you're do, you, you doing, Bobby. I, I'm not sure if this was called. It looked like it was. You had CJ out there as the as the option player. <laughs> oh, after a, I love I mean, that play. I know exactly what you're doing. Right? I love that. That play was phenomenal. No one yeah, pitched it so to him. I, I, the reason I bring, yeah, when you pitched it to him, yeah. that was designed right. Not not on that one. Awesome. <laughs> what about the way oh, CJ okay. kept his depth? Though? What about the way he kept oh, yeah. his depth? I, we always talk about carrying out keepers. So that that right there, that's why you always carry out your keeper. You never know. Ball might come to you. You always carry out your keepers. Oh, you got to love it. You guys are simpatico right there. That's Bobby phenomenal. Slowick, fantastic. We could talk about this all day. <laughs> uh, really appreciate you taking a few minutes, and best of luck this weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Been fun, Bobby. Boy, that was great. I mean, I just feel so much better and smarter. And that's what the show is about. And coming up, Brian Baldinger, Baldy favorite films. We're going to talk about a QB hunter in the realest sense here on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back into the NFL Report. It is my favorite segment each and every week. Baldy's favorite films. And Baldy, the best part of breaking all this down with you is that you love to watch these interviews that come on before you yeah. and, and the people that are on before you. Bobby Slowick, a young offensive mind. What jumped out at you in terms of maybe his offensive philosophy? Anything he said there that you just really kind of soaked in a little bit? Well, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. You know, when, you know, Houston's faced with the fact they got to go 75 yards in the last 46 seconds to win the game. They need Mm -hmm. a touchdown to win. They're down 37-33. And he was saying most of the decisions were made before they got on the field because they simply don't have time. Uh, You have two timeouts left, but you're trying to figure out, are we going for the chunk plays? Are we spiking it? Are we, you know, running a play? Are we calling the timeout? Those were kind of the decisions. But, you know, the, the plays that were called were kind of, predetermined and sometimes we think it's just while it was the play they had the perfect play against defense well sometimes you're just trying to get a chunk you're just trying to get to midfield let's work from there and so I just thought that whole sequence because you go back and you watch six plays 75 yards against a talented defense Mm -hmm. for the game winner and you know some of those calls and how they executed when really you don't have a you just don't have time for a mistake in that part a sack a negative play, you know, uh, getting tackled in bounds. You just don't have time for those kind of mistakes. And it was literally six flawless plays in a row. Yeah, I mean, and C.J. Stroud could not have been more composed. Well, now I want to flip it to, to a player. James, mm-hmm. start, James and I started the show talking about players who probably are flying a little bit under the radar. But answer me this. Yeah. How the hell are we not talking about Daniil Hunter and what he is doing <laughs> up with the Vikings this season? 
You know, Steve, he, he's been in the league a while. And he's got over 80 career sacks. He's had some, you know, big sack numbers, 14 in a couple of years. But he's taken it to a different level. I think Brian Flores has really helped him. Um, but, you know, if you go back, like here he is against uh, Darnell Wright last week, you know, getting to the quarterback. But you go back to some of these games, like against Green Bay two weeks ago. Like his forced fumble, he had two of them. But one of them wasn't like hitting the quarterback and getting the ball out. It was 15 yards downfield chasing after a play and getting the ball out of Aaron Jones's hands from behind. Just effort play. And that's what I see from Daniil. Like, remember the talk a little bit in the preseason? They didn't want to be there. Let's yeah. trade Daniil Hunter, trade deadline, all that stuff. Yep. He's playing as if um, he's a cornerstone player in a much improved defense. Uh, over, like when I first started, when I first started studying him early in the year, I just thought Brian Flores was just blitz happy, and and that's kind of what they were. They were blitz zero. Where it's going to live and die by. You know, some days you get the bull, some days the bull gets you, but it's not like that anymore. <laughs> They're playing very sound defense. They're picking their spots when they want to really pressure the quarterback. But Daniil Hunter is a guy. DJ want him on the other side. Um, he's winning his battles, and ultimately become a good defensive player when you win your one-on-ones. It was funny, Baldy. We were all going, well, Daniil Hunter is really improving his trade value over these next couple of weeks, and then, no, nothing happens, and now he's on a, a Vikings team that they go win in New Orleans, and we'll, we'll see what happens to them against yeah, the Saints. Six and see four what if happens they win. After yeah. this game, they're in a decent spot, the Minnesota Vikings. And, and, and let's talk about another defense in terms of the Cincinnati Bengals. We, we knew that they lost talented safeties. We knew that Lou Anarumo is a great, offense, a great defensive mind. They have a good front linebackers, and now it seems like they're starting to put everything together. What are you seeing from Luana Rumo's group? Well, I mean, if you just look at, at the most important stat in football outside of wins and losses, I mean, they lead the league in, in, in turnover ratio. They're plus nine right now. It's a credit to Joe Burrow and the offense because they're not giving it away, but they lead the league in interceptions. And when you look like, okay, how are they doing that? I mean, you look, watch Logan Wilson play. I mean, he's got 10 career interceptions. He hasn't finished his fourth season yet. <laughs> Jermaine Pratt. Um, right, that interception right there against, uh, you know, uh, Brock Purdy. Unreal. Like this interception in the middle of the field. We're, we're watching these as I'm talking about these linebackers. But they are very crafty. They're very good players. They're a zone team. They have good zone eyes. And then this front, you know, you watch the front at the end of the of the game against, you know, and in some of these games, like they're winning at the end when they have to, when they have to get off the field. There's some of these uh, tip ball interceptions by Pratt. But Trey Hendrickson at the end of games, getting to the quarterback like he does right here. Sam Hubbard on the other side. Nobody, and I know you know this, James, but nobody ever talks about DJ Reader. The guy is just a bull inside. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. A lot of snaps. He's an immovable object. You know, the big thing for Lou Anarumo this year, guys, talking to him in preseason, he had to replace Von Bell and Jesse Bates, his two starting safeties. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. But, you know, Scott has come in. Max Hill was drafted high. They still have Mike Hilton in the slot. They're a very balanced defense, and they keep them in every game. Even when Joe Burrow couldn't move and they were struggling early in the year, they still kept them in games. And Cam Taylor-Britt mm -hmm. has emerged as one of the toughest young corners yeah. coming up in the NFL, Baldy. Real quick, Baldy, yeah. we've got about 45 seconds here. The Goliath game this week, the Niners and the Jaguars both coming off of buys. What are you expecting to see? Well, I think when San Francisco gets back, Debo Samuel and Trent Williams, they're a different offense. Yep. They've been a 17-point offense in this three-game uh, losing streak. But the thing that Debo gives you, he gives you – he's the toughest player on the field. He runs through contact. The, the crossing routes, they, they, don't, they don't stop right there. They go for 40 yards and 30 yards because he just – He's going to break tackles. So he gives him a toughness, and then Trent Williams moves the line of scrimmage, unlike almost any other offensive lineman in this league. The running game is so much better as Debo runs right behind Trent Williams right there. I think this offense gets back on track this week with the additions of those two players. I am so excited to see this one, Baldy, specifically also because of what we've seen in terms of the physicality up front from Jacksonville right on defense. I mean, it's been yeah. phenomenal to see what they've seen, you know, with their group up front, that bear front that they've been running. It's been it's been awesome. Baldy, appreciate it. Always love when you stop by every Thursday. We've been spending a lot of time together this week, Baldy. It's been great. Yeah, we have, James. Let's do it again somewhere. <laughs> we really yeah. have. It's been great. We'll see it's you been guys, great. Uh, All right, coming up, let's, let's one last segment on the NFL week. report. 
Love it, Baldy. We got the coach, Leslie Frazier, coming up with some rookie quarterback discussion. Also, hybrid players on defense. How important are they with these chess pieces on offense? More than you think. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, back at the NFL Report. And now, James, you're bringing in one of the best football minds that we've seen in this league in years. That's Leslie Frazier, former head coach, NFL defensive coordinator, former player. And coach, last week, we saw seven rookies start in the NFL. That's probably more than most of these teams wanted to play. But when you look at this, which one of these rookies do you think is going to impact their terms? Maybe not right now, but more so for the long term. Yeah, Steve, you know, do you realize that this is the first time since 1970 that seven rookies started this early in the season? Uh, going back to 2019, even, uh, wow. when there were eight rookies that started, but it was a little bit later in the season. So this, this was very unusual and, 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 you know, kind of printed in that way uh, this season in 2023. We've talked a few different times about how points are down, uh, how explosive plays are down. And a lot of it is the product of these young quarterbacks that are having to play for different reasons, some because, because of injuries, and those are because, I mean, they were drafted so high that they they, they have to start, uh, i.e. Mm-hmm. Young, and then we're seeing what CJ is doing. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, which one has the greatest potential to really become that franchise guy for their team? Uh, you guys talked about it earlier in the show. Watching CJ Stroud did with the Texans, you have to say this is not an anomaly. This is the real thing. Uh, I mean, those numbers that he's put up throughout the season, probably the most impressive part about it is the fact that he's only thrown, I think, one interception. Yeah, only one. And that is very unusual for young quarterbacks. I expect uh, those numbers to be much higher, particularly with the number of throws he's had. So uh, it's been very, very impressive, you know, what he's done with the force that he's played with. And I do think that Bryce Young will come around uh, you know, he struggled for sure uh, uh, last week uh, with the three interceptions. I mean, it was a tough day for him all around. Uh, he took some sacks as well. Uh, but in time, uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned on our, on our show uh, a few days ago uh, when we were doing game day final, I was, was talking about Hayden Manning in his rookie year in Indy and how he struggled throwing interceptions. But you're hoping, and Jim Caldwell, who's on that staff in Carolina, you know, you're hoping that uh, this is going to pay dividends down the, lo- down the road because he has the talent. Just a matter of getting the confidence and getting more weapons around him, he has a chance to uh, really improve as a quarterback. And then the third guy, probably in his two starts, uh, you know, he's he's done a good job. In particular, his first start against uh, mm. was Arizona was the first start. Uh, had a, at Atlanta, Atlanta Falcons had a big day against Atlanta yeah. and came back against. Pittsburgh and played well in that game, although the pick at the end of the game, I'm sure he'd like to have. Uh, but he's done some good things in his short uh, time on the field, so he has a chance as well. Uh, when you look at uh, Clayton Toon, Jaron Hall, I mean, those guys are more placeholders. Uh, Tyson Bajet, uh, more of a placeholder, not a guy you think long-term is going to be the answer. But C.J., uh, taking a look at what even Aiden O'Connell, even Aiden O'Connell did a good job uh, with the Raiders, but he needs a run game uh, to be effective. And Josh Jacobs sure. really looked like himself in that Giants game. So those are the guys who I think have a chance to really take it to another level. Yeah, and Alex Highsmith was on this show, Coach, saying that he thinks Will Levis is going to be a, a dynamite uh, quarterback at the NFL level. And we, we talk on this show so much about the tight end position. We've broken down with David Shaw you know, on shows past about how dynamic that spot is getting. You have to cover these chess pieces that are on offense with dynamic type of players 
that are versatile on the defensive side of the ball. What do you see about those type of players that we're seeing in the league right now? Well, you, you see there's a, there's a trend uh, around the NFL with uh, the way teams are drafting uh, linebackers that are kind of hybrid types. Uh, whether it's N'Kobe Dean uh, in Philly or some right. of the other guys in the league yeah. that are, they have the size of a safety, uh, but they're playing a linebacker position. We kind of did that with Matt Milano uh, in Buffalo, where he was a guy who played safety in college, but uh, he had the ability to be able to play close to the line of scrimmage, uh, but be able to cover on the back end as well. So uh, that's that. You, you're looking for the matchups, James, uh, finding uh, guys on the on the mm-hmm. second level that can match up with these prolific tight ends, these running backs that come out of the backfield that are almost yeah. like receivers, like an Alvin Kamara. And you need the, the, the personnel on, on, on the defensive side that can match up in the pass game, but yet you don't have a big drop-off when it comes to defending the run. And, and you're seeing more and more teams drafting those hybrid tights at the safety position slash linebacker position to be able to uh, offset the matchup issues that offenses are trying to create. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's changing the dynamics of the league, and it's really good for, for defenses as well. Coach, real quick, we only got about 20 seconds here. But when you see someone like a Marquise Bell, a safety player in your will linebacker, why don't teams just load up and try and pound him? Well, he's a good example of what we're talking about, that hybrid type. And the reason they don't do it, it's, a, it's still a passing league. And, when, and if you're not going to commit to the run like most teams don't today, it's really hard to say, okay, now we're going to switch our philosophy and become a pounded team. Uh, but you would think more teams would try to run at a Marquise Bell or some of the other guys that are in that position, but that's not their philosophy for the most part. Coach, we really appreciate it. And and when we get you on next time, I'm going to give you a little bit more time. We'll get you on a little bit earlier in the show because there's just so much more to kind of dig into right here. Coach, you're going to head into week 10. And from a different show, James, James, Coach and I were on, I didn't have to buy him a Tyson Bajan jersey because he's a big Bears guy. But we'll be back on Monday at the NFL Report, JP. A huge weekend ahead. A lot of good games. We'll have more guests. Don't forget to listen to the podcast anywhere you get your pods. The NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.